with the coach. Dear Twenty Radio, your gamers Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. What is up, Gamer Nation? Welcome to the Me and Steve Talk RPG's podcast. I'm Steve. I'm hosted here by my friend Steve. Yes, hello. Welcome, Gamer Nation. So, as you may have heard, we are now part of the D20 Radio Network. So, that is a very exciting prospect for us. Yeah, well, I think we just, we have to blame GM Chris. I mean, you know, we, we get him on to talk, and, and before we even get to actually talking with him, he's like, why haven't you guys joined the network yet? And we're kind of like, both of us are stumbling, going, well, we kind of wanted to talk to you about that, but we didn't know how to say it. <laughs> right, and we didn't want to be like, can we play with you guys? <laughs> yeah, he actually, before we even got a chance to say anything, uh, invited us to the party. So, um, yeah, I think we're, we're going to come try and, well, have fun with everybody. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put our best foot forward, and definitely exciting, and and definitely welcoming, and and to any new listeners we might gain from that, we want to welcome you. Yes. So let's actually talk about some of the other shows that are on the D twenty Radio Network, because me and you both listen to a lot of them, but or not a lot of them, but but a couple of them, and one of them that I just wanted to highlight is a way to shout them out. Fairly new podcast, much like ourselves, it appears, you know. Episode 6 looks like was posted April 6th of this year, talking about what comes after. Yeah, I've been seeing that one. I've been seeing it around. I definitely want, it's on my to-listen list, but the, the elevator pitch is what has sold me on it so hard. Basically, the world ended in the mid-80s, billions of people died. About five years later, so probably about the mid-90s, four survivors discover that everything is about to change again, and that just is a really cool uh, Genesis actual play podcast that I just is up my alley. Like I'm, I'm all for that. So yeah, no, the, 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 the premise. Yeah. Like you said, it's, it's right up my alley as well. I love that kind of post apocalyptic thing. And it has been kind of one of those ones I keep going, well, okay, man, I, I want to listen to that. And then look, I'll, I'll be honest, folks. I have a problem with podcasts in our discord channel which by the way y'all feel free to be a link in the show notes so come on down and join us i posted a screenshot that i took last week of the listening stats on my podbean and what's scary is i think it was about a year ago that podbean dumped a bunch of stuff so i don't think this is in fact i'm sure it's not accurate because yeah podbean Podbean had a big update and then changed all of their subscriptions, and both me and you had to go through and, like, resubscribe to a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and I did the math only because, well, again, I'm that much of a nerd, because I listened to the entirety of Critical Role's Campaign 1 on Podbean, and I know that totals, well, not just that, but that with all the other stuff I would listen to. In any case, my Podbean currently shows me having my total playtime was over 3,300 hours. And what I found even scarier is it has the little thing where you can turn on the intelligent speed where it automatically shortens silences. 
I have saved over 50 hours in that feature alone. See, I, I don't use that, but I, I being that you've saved yourself that much time, I'm kind of tempted to start using it. <laughs> but like I said, I, I do have a podcast problem, I'll admit it, because I listen to a, a lot of stuff, including, I think, four shows that are on the D20 network currently. So yeah, I, I, I listen to a lot of stuff, and these guys are, what comes after cast is, is something that I've really been going, ooh, I want to check it out, I want to check it out. So uh, I would advise you all to do the same, and I'm probably going to do that yeah, maybe even this week. Yeah, it's definitely going on in my rotation. It's going to the top of the list because I've just gotten caught up with Critical Role, so now I have to take a little bit of time off that and let everything fall back so I have 40 hours of podcast to listen to again. <laughs> see, when I get down to 30-some episodes in the queue, I'm doing good. Yeah, see, I... I'm at the point where I am now concurrent, and so I'm going, I gotta stop listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to do that sometimes, though, with actual play stuff that has shorter episodes. I'll intentionally let it go, and then binge it. Well, I'll be honest, I have been getting into, so 40k, which I've talked about, but I've been getting into golf recently, like, more than I ever have, and so I'm literally standing in my backyard, hitting my, like, wedges, just 30 feet just to practice something and listening to podcast for two, three, four hours on end. <laughs> Fair enough. It got so bad. My girlfriend came out and was like, are you not froze to death? I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> no, I, I I'm fortunate in a lot of ways is that I can, I can listen to a lot of podcasts while I do my job at work. Yeah. Me, me too at the current moment. So, <laughs> but that's going to change hopefully. But What's our actual topic for the week, Steve? Well, I think we we were going to talk maybe a little bit about inspiration and, and where we kind of find it, where you can go to look for it. So what inspiration is, is that randomly your DM decides to give you one point of it, and it can give you advantage on any check. Wait, we're not talking about... Okay. No, 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 Steve. Oh, well... We're not talking about inspiration as a game mechanic. Oh, oh, we're talking about actual inspiration. So where I steal my ideas from. I mean, borrow. <laughs> well, to to quote Chris from last week, beg, borrow, and steal. But yeah, that's really, I mean, that's that's what it is, you know. I think I read somewhere once that it's often considered in the writing community that there are only something like seven original stories. And that can apply any which way as, as far as, you know, be it character concepts, story concepts, anything like that. There are seven original stories, and five of them follow the hero's journey. Fair enough. What happened here? Okay, sorry. <laughs> Did you see opened something shiny again? To... <laughs> I opened my browser to go to my notes, and uh, uh, it was like something went wrong, and I was like, oh no. My notes are usually just a series of things I bookmarked, and then I go, why did I bookmark this? <laughs> I don't I understand. Do I do that a lot. I, um... To get off on a tangent for a half a second. By the way, I, just to hold on for a second. For those of you from, from the D20 Network that have just discovered us, we, we actually thought of naming the podcast Tangent Land, but it didn't seem as amusing as me and Steve. I thought you were going a different direction with that, so I'm going to go that direction. Okay. For those of you that have discovered us from the D20 Radio Network, we truly apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we we appreciate them, Steve. We do appreciate you, but we also truly apologize for all of the tangents that you're going to follow us on to this episode. Yes, we freely realize that, well, both of us lack conversation permanence and that we will 
routinely chase rabbits in random directions. Speaking of chasing rabbits, let's talk about ideas. So a lot of where I pull my inspiration for games comes from what I've read in my youth. Mm -hmm. I grew up reading, and, and I was just telling you this before the podcast, but when I was in about eighth grade, I was reading Isaac Asimov. And it's just what I really cut my teeth on. So that really hard sci-fi, if it's pulp, that's for me. If it has, you know, if it's if it's pulpy in any way, Indiana Jones is a perfect example. I love that movies, all three of them. Mm-hmm. But seriously, if it was pulp, if it was action, if it was intrigue, I was reading it. Clancy and and all of the terrible young adult novels that I read back in the early two thousands. <laughs> I get a lot of my inspiration from just the fact that pulp intrigues me. Well. I think that's the thing for anybody, though, is is the stuff you find entertaining is is where you're going to find that inspiration. You know, like you said, you know, you got into a lot of different novels and OK, I'm I'm a bit older than you. But in that same, you know, when I was in, in that age range is about when I fell down the Tom Clancy rabbit hole and I was reading whatever I could get my hands on Tom Clancy uh Assorted other authors in that genre. Uh, I remember Larry Bond. I read a, a novel or two from him, and then you know I did branch out. I read some um, some Larry Nevin. But I think you know inspiration. You, yeah, you you do draw a lot of it from you know be it books or film or television. But it's really there's stuff in in a lot of places that okay if you're taking it straight from a book or television, or a movie, probably at least someone's going to recognize it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But sometimes if if you kind of combine it with something else from a, another less common source, it really feels fresh to people, even though it's the same thing. Sometimes even taking two common sources and combining them can throw people off. Yeah. You know, like, we all love Star Wars, but at the end of the day, Star Wars is magical cowboys in space. Yeah. That's really what Star Wars is. It, it, you know, it it's this sword and sorcery story, but told in... In space. Yeah, in space. I, I was losing my words, but in space. <laughs> um, Whatever interests you is definitely going to be enough. Like, if you like very hard historical dramas... I have good news. You can do really interesting games with very hard historical drama. If you look at something like, and I know we've talked about this before, which is a teaching tool, but if you look at something like Ross Rifles, mm -hmm. you tell a very serious game with, or a very serious story with that, and it's based, you know, it's historically accurate. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Night Witches is another one that's based in, in history very much. Uh, you know, that's a story about, a, a, I believe it was a World War II Russian flying squadron that was entirely women that all their equipment was also literally the leftovers from the the men of of the Russian air force or whatever it was called at the time right and it's it's very you can pull a lot from a lot of places i mean just to go to one of the most popular just one of the most popular rpgs out there call of cthulhu is based off of Based off of the Cthulhu novels written by um, H.P. Lovecraft, which 
is yes it is problematic but you know there's a lot of other great cosmic horror written by other artists who aren't him you know yeah i think at this point it's look yes it's it's based on it has its origins in his fiction but the problematic themes that you know he's was problematic about are not in the game no they've done a very good job at at removing it and not you know that not being part of that game it's 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 just a you know you do have to acknowledge when when talking about anything lovecraft it's you know you have to acknowledge the man that started the whole thing yeah well but i mean to their credit and i have yet to pick this up i keep meaning to but chaosium officially picked up chris spivey's harlem unbound which <laughs> is written you know i i've heard a number of people say it is the treatise as far as how to how to run be it, be it people of color or people unlike yourself in a game context. You know, like I said, I, I have yet to, to get it myself as I understand it. The first edition is technically systemless, where the second edition of Harlem Unbound is statted out for, I would assume, seventh edition Call of Cthulhu. That's really actually cool. I'll have to look into that a little bit further because that's something that I've been wanting to try and work on in my own in my own storytelling in games. So that's something I'm going to have to look into. It, 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 it's an important issue, but it, it's one that's so... How do you want to say it? it it's really easy to be scared of making a, a misstep, and, and then because you're scared of making a misstep, you just kind of skirt around it altogether. And that sometimes is maybe not as egregious as as misstepping, but it's still not addressing the problem. Right. But to to come back around, though, more to inspiration as opposed to deeper topics, you know, for me, sometimes I even, I get ideas from odd places. And, you know, if if you know me and you've hung around with me, I've invariably probably given most everyone I know some form of brain worm that, you know, like, I never used to think about that until Steve mentioned it. But anyway, <laughs> you know, like, I'll find, get ideas for for a character or, or for a campaign from a song lyric sometimes, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, can I talk about your character? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, you you made a character from the Warren Zavon song, uh, Mr. Badlock. Mr. Bad Example. Uh, Mr. Bad Example. Yeah, the the song is all about this guy who's just, I mean, he's a slime ball. And, you know, go look it up on YouTube. I'm sure you can find it. But this guy is a slime ball con man who just goes from one con to the next, just trying to stay ahead of the people chasing him. And, you know, like, Zevon for me is, is someone I find amusing because the sense of humor in his lyrics is just different. And that's the only way I know to explain it. Yes, it is. I, I like Warren Zevon. Zevon. I don't know how it's actually pronounced. I always pronounced it Zevon. Whether that's accurate or not, I don't know. Well, and then for me, to talk about characters for a little bit, I just, I tend to get weird ideas. Okay. Like... Can I ask you a question on that, Vane? Yeah? Where the hell did dubs come from? <laughs> <coughs> yeah. 
Dubs came from the term Wunderbar. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Dubs came from. Um, no, I I was looking at the Doctor. Um, I I can't ever remember the character's name, but I was looking at the Doctor from Invader Zim, and I went, "What would I voice him like if I wanted to voice him?" And I was like, "Oh, I'd make him stereotypically German and just obsessed with body modifications." This was for cyberpunk, by the way, folks. Yeah, this was for cyberpunk. Um, and and that's where Dubs came from. Dubs was just born out of this obsession with this idea of like, well, what happens if we transplant? Actually, I think I know right where Dubs came from. I was doing a little bit of research into some of the, um, I don't know how you want to put it, the the um, fleed Nazi doctors, uh, the Nazi scientists who left Germany. To help form our... Project Manhattan? Spa- yes, well, but not just that, but to help form the space program. Okay. And I was like, what if we mixed those guys with some of the horrible stuff that happened during World War II? And then I was like, well, what if we do that, except rather than it being horrible, it's cyberpunk. And that's where dubs come from. Okay. Um, the one that intrigues me more, and I didn't really get to play with them, was the other character I built. And I can't remember what his name was. Are you talking about the Dragonborn? No, no, not the Dragonborn. The other character I built for your cyberpunk campaign. Oh, crap. I don't remember his name either. I just um, remember picturing, like, Mega Mullet. Yeah, he was... So, the other idea for a character I had in cyberpunk, which I got to play with a little bit, was a character who was basically a um, armor plate wearing, like, where's where's... Hawaiian shirt and shorts with heavy body armor on top, just rocking that 80s mullet and is like perpetually stoned. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's tropey, but like, I don't know which one to pin it on. No, exactly. Nobody knows. And and that's how my brain works is everybody's like, this is super trope, but which trope is it? Because it's like, it, it reminds me of the like, what I refer to as, like, the redneck movies of the 80s. You know what I mean? Give me some examples here. Sort of like Dukes of Hazard type, but not... Like, Dukes of Hazard w- had a higher standard than what I think more of. Like, uh, some of the sleazier Chuck Norris films, a lot of Seagal films, like, those, like, like action movies, but the ones that are, like, low-budget action movies, basically. Okay, see, now, the image that's coming to mind, and now I, I kind of think where I was... Did you ever, did you see the movie Beer for My Horses? Yes, that's... Ted yep, Nugent. There you go. Yep. <laughs> You've sort of hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, the the not-so-great Dukes of Hazard remake. Uh, <laughs> well, it was better than I expected in some ways. Yeah, I just say not-so-great because the show's, the show's great, but the Dukes of Hazard remake, that's kind of that type of idea. But I... My characters are, sometimes they're just these, I, I threw this, I, I threw Scrabble tiles at the wall, except rather than it being Scrabble tiles, it was just a bunch of dice. I mean, like, my Dragonborn character, he was kind of samey, but I just thought it would be fun to have a Dragonborn who rages and is calm 99% of the time. Yeah, well, in a way, he was kind of like Beast. Yeah, that's sort of where I pulled my inspiration from was just this just a sort of hulking character who was who was chill most of the time. Mm-hmm. 
you know, let's let's talk about some of your other characters. Let's talk about uh man, I'm bad with your names. Um let's talk about Frenchie. Oh, Xavier. Yeah. Yes, well, uh, the story about uh, Xavier was that uh, I was on the way to the first session for that campaign and I'm going uh, what the voice do I want to use for this character? And so um I just start talking like this and um they really become kind of a smart-ass uh, sorcerer. Yeah, um, <laughs> just like my, just like my no or my. Uh, I think they were weren't they gnomes? The witch? Uh, no, they were, they were goblins. In most recently. Oh yes, the ones stacked on top of each other. Yeah. Well, no. Well, gnomes was the most recent, but there, you did goblins earlier. Yeah, the French gnomes. Yes, then. it was the French gnomes. Which was just me kind of making fun of him, but well, well, and the the fun part with X though is is that that campaign wasn't the greatest because no, of a but... lot of factors, but the kind of smartassness and and the crap giving between characters was we had a lot of fun with it. Oh yeah, we uh, you know it, I I I'm not gonna say I remember much about what actually happened in that campaign. But I do remember what our characters ended up becoming towards the end of it. Well, I, I, I just I do remember the rest of the table insisting that I used the proper term when I went to cast my signature cantrip. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but oh. you know, I mean, like, but I mean, you can take you know tropes and and whatever, and look the the accent for me. You know, I got to be an exchange student, what would it normally have been my senior year of high school. I had already got all the credits I needed, so I effectively had graduated. So I went and lived in Belgium, French-speaking Belgium, for 11 months and you know, was thus exposed to a lot of people speaking English with very heavy French accents. And so it, it's something that, you know, still 20 seven, eight years later, something like that, it still sticks in my head. And I still do speak a little bit of French, though not nearly what I used to. Yeah, a lot of my characters just sort of, this is why I end up having a bunch of them on my phone, because I'm I'm usually just sitting somewhere and I have, like, it's like inspiration, but it's, it's dumber than inspiration. Just something hits me and I'm like, ooh, that's the guy. Well, um... You know, sometimes I'll be thinking about a, a character in a movie or something and going, well, how would I build, or or, or I'll go, okay, so let's put, okay, I want to be kind of like a combination of Green Arrow and the Punisher. How would I build that? Yeah. You know, I, that kind of stuff happens to me all the time. Well, and then, and sometimes for my characters, they just end up lucking into their personality. So the idea is, the idea was, I'm going to build a corp that wants to be a solo mm -hmm. except he just ends up being a really bad solo and a not a great corp <laughs> <laughs> like not a great suit and a really bad solo <laughs> yeah but i mean like sometimes though and this is where i think a lot of people gaming is not necessarily about having the statistically best character the statistically most capable it's about having a good time. And the character you were just talking about, you know, when when you ran him for that, that one shot, it was like he was, so to speak, 
trying to run this this wetworks team of of ragamuffin cyberpunks and you know constantly having to try and report back to the office as to why did the whole machine blow up you know <laughs> yeah and he's like trying to not he's he's trying to skirt this the two worlds that really shouldn't mix mhm and yeah it was it was that was a fun one yeah um a lot of my NPCs, I, I love a lot of my NPCs that I come up with. They're just nine times out of ten, they're just mean. Well, see, like now for for concepts, you know, like NPCs, a lot of times I do kind of draw inspiration from, from this thing or that thing specifically. But when it comes to, and, and I've had this kind of weird idea in my head for for a game concept, basically what I want to do is in some form or other, rip off the concept of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Specifically, Mm -hmm. like, the the TV show. But there was a line in this song by this guy named Ray Wiley Hubbard that I know both you and I are are familiar with some of his music. But there's a line in one of his songs, and it's something, something, and no one was cooler than the 13th floor elevators. (laughs) And so I hear this, and I go... Who the heck are the 13th floor elevators? So I look it up. Turns out they were this like psychedelic rock band. But the idea that pops into my head is, okay, so what if the 13th floor elevators is a secret society? And like, you know, you could use this in probably Call of Cthulhu, not so much, but but something maybe you're more familiar with the fiction than I am, Steve, but, but like a Dresden Files type universe. Yeah, you could probably do it somewhere in that world. You could probably make that work really well in Delta Green, actually. It's impossibly. Uh, you know, but we're, we're, so to speak, it's a secret society that literally is like a pocket dimension type deal that is, because a lot of buildings, I believe, still to this day, technically leave out the 13th floor. Yeah, it's a superstition thing. Right. Well, more modern buildings tend to leave it in, but... I know a lot of older buildings built before built before probably 2010 leave it out. Mm-hmm. But to sort of play on that, you know, there's there's some sort of pocket dimension that you can access from from, you know, be at the stairwell between the the 12th and the 14th floor or some, you know, or some combination of numbers input on the number pad on the elevator to get you to the 13th floor. Right, right. Yeah, like I said, you know, I have fleshed out all the details, but it was a moment of inspiration, so that's why I'm I'm bringing it up today. <laughs> well, just to just not to get too much off of that, but I think that would work really well in Delta Green. I, I think it, it it could be worked into there, depending on how you wanted to do it. I think if you if you thought about it, not necessarily that Delta Green was investigating that, mm-hmm. but maybe maybe Delta Green's recruiting, and that's you know. Maybe it's like a training area for Delta Green. Maybe it's like I think that could be worked together. I think that could work I really think, well. Actually. You know, that could work really well with like maybe Knights Black Agents. True, it could work really well there. There's a lot of systems that could work with. Yeah, well, vampire. Yeah, any of the the vampire storyteller type stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you you need a touch of the supernatural to make it work. But okay, no, because I I already have an idea that I'm I'm trying to flesh out for for Delta Green, but I don't want to say too much to you because I hope that you'll be one of the victim I mean players. No, a victim. No, it's it's a, it's a it's a Delta Green game. It's always victims. <laughs> I assume I'm a victim anytime I play that engine. But uh 
<laughs> no, I, I, I really, and I, well, I'm almost a full season behind, but it's sitting on the DVR upstairs. Um, the show Manifest is really interesting. I haven't. I can't say I know that one. Is it, that wait Manifest? Is that the one? I don't know. I don't. I don't know the elevator pitch for that one. That's the one with the plane that disappeared for. Okay, so yeah, that's what I thought, and then they find. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I've thought of different different ways to take that idea and kind of reskin it. And I think that could work fabulously for a Delta Green campaign. Television is not my strong suit. Like, we have television, but I hardly ever watch anything that's not something that I'm, like, actively involved in. Well, I watch a lot more, like, History Channel and and that kind of stuff, which is something that that I've gotten ideas from before. And I know I've mentioned it before on the podcast. I don't remember what episode. There's a show on, I don't know if it's Travel Channel or one of the history, but anyway, one of those those networks, and it's called Mysteries of the Abandoned, and it's this cool yeah, show. That is Travel Channel, yeah. Where they go and they visit these abandoned sites, and it could be anything from, you know, an old mining site in England with this gargantuan steam shovel thing to the old over-the-horizon radar site in Russia that's technically the Ukraine's right near Chernobyl to assorted Cold War and World War II military installations that are now abandoned. Some of this stuff is just incredible. Or, or there was an old art institute that was built in Cuba that had this just, the architecture is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, some of this stuff, and, and, and you know, you see this, and it, you go, ooh, I could use this element and this idea for this. And like I said, the, the thing is, is, is don't feel like, oh, I have to stay. No, take this part of this thing and put it with this part of this other thing and just have a good time with it. That's what this hobby is all about, is having a good time. Nobody is making rules on what your story has to be. You know, if the system that you're playing in doesn't accommodate for that type of story, maybe it's time to change your system. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, I guess, for me, like, and, and part of, you know, the thrust of this podcast is don't feel like you have to play just one game. I mean, GM Chris said last week, you know, Genesis is an amazing system and I haven't yet experimented with it to know if there are things that it it doesn't do the way I want it to. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to say it doesn't do them well, but it might not do it the way I want it to do it. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know? If you really want tactical, crunchy, deadly combat, then, you know, maybe Warhammer Fantasy 4th Edition is the system for you. Part of me would like slightly crunchy, gritty, deadly fantasy, but I don't want that much crunch in it for me. Right. Maybe you really like orcs that have a computer attached to them. So there's your, you can play Shadowrun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hold on, let me write that down real quick. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Just my brain just went. Ooh, that's a that's a character and a half in there. Aha! Uh-huh. See, that's what happens with me though. Is that I'm a bad example when it comes to where do you get your inspiration from? Well, I say things, <laughs> but that's you know what I mean. Look at at this point, ninety nine percent of us all carry around a smartphone. You know, and I've only ever had Androids, so I'm going to reference Google Docs. But I'm sure Apple has something similar. And well, you could still put Google Docs on your iPhone, I suppose. But I keep a file in my Google Docs that is nothing but me jotting down, you know, odd concepts, you know, one line 
plot ideas, whatever. And just because if I write them down, if I don't write it down, I'll forget about it. And if I write it down on something on paper, I'll probably forget what notebook I wrote it in because I have, I don't know how many notebooks laying around the house, the, you know, the car, work, wherever. Right. I actually, I went to a uh, writer's conference once, and this was specifically for sci-fi writers. I'd, I'd been invited by uh, somebody I was hanging out with, and they were like, yeah, come to this writer's conference with me. I'm like, okay, that doesn't sound up my alley. Well, I ended up sitting in on a bunch of really interesting conversations, and one of them was this idea, and, and he posed the idea that if you hear somebody say something interesting, Say, say they say something in an interesting sentence. Write that down. Use that for inspiration later. Mm-hmm. Say you're, you're out, you're drinking coffee, and somebody comes in and goes, I can't believe they smacked their grandma. Like, write that down. That's inspiration for something. Go read that later, because it can trigger parts of the brain to make you think in different ways. Yeah, like I think we both said it, you know, don't be afraid to put that together with something else. You know, I, I, I don't know what off the top of my head, but you can add stuff together. And, and sometimes, you know, well, like we talked about sometimes with, with the characters where you take like four tropes and mash them together. And so it, it looks familiar, but it's not, you know, and that's the right. thing is, you know, or, or sometimes take a trope and stand it on its head. No, sometimes two and two does not equal four. It's, it's, it's a matter of just finding what you want to. Finding your voice, finding how you want to tell your character, playing with different peoples. I pick up different mannerisms from other people just because that's how they do things. The perfect example. So you were talking about living in in Belgium. Mm -hmm. I lived for a month just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. I came back with a Southern drawl. Doesn't honestly terribly surprise me. I have a tendency to pick up bits of accent as well sometimes. I came back and, and it was, my family was like, where did you get that? I'm like, Georgia. <laughs> I'm like, You've, you left without one and came back with one. Where did you get that? I got it from Georgia. Also learned that I really like Pepsi. Because <laughs> when you live outside of Atlanta, Georgia, that's, that's all you get is Coke. But that's a, that's a tangent and a half right there. But no, it, being around people can influence your, influence ideas and influence your tastes and, how you give a character a voice. Maybe maybe you have a friend that has a really quirky vocal pattern. So you give your character that quirky vocal pattern. No, I think that you have to be careful to a point, you know, if you're playing with that person. Yeah, don't do it and be rude about it. But, you know, if it's something where maybe even ask them, hey, you know, do you mind if I voice my character in this way? Yeah. Not in any way be rude about it, but I'm saying more along the lines of, I have a friend that doesn't play D&D, that has a very interesting, like, the way he speaks is very interesting. Uh-huh. So maybe I'll borrow a little bit of his, like, cadence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, cadence. Or, or you know, sometimes you, you have someone you know, you work with, whatever, has a, has a kind of an odd phrase that they use, you know, and, and turn that into a catchphrase for your character in some, some form or other. And sometimes it's purely visual. Like, sometimes, especially in D&D, if I'm making a character in D&D, I'll open the player handbook and look and be like, eh, I could work with that. Sometimes 
it's it's literally take preconceived notions and throw them against the wall. Like I was watching a video the other day from an artist on TikTok who was proposing the idea of you don't have to have traditional fantasy voices just because you're in a fantasy setting. And his proposal was to have essentially like Midwestern cultists. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, you know, to tie back to a previous episode and also into other people in the network, you know, when GM Eric from Everon Renewed was on with us, he talked about how he's been trying to do Sharn in their current Everon campaign as different uh, New York accents. Right. And, and sometimes it's even just do local dialect. Just, you know, and he talked about that as well. Mm -hmm. But I, I really think that if you're having trouble with inspiration, I think you might be thinking about it too hard. Because everybody, I don't want to say everybody, but most people have things that, in, that interest them outside of this hobby. And if there's something that interests you outside of this hobby, you can definitely pull from that with no issues. Nobody's going to be like, oh man, you took that character straight out of this book. Or you took that character straight from Star Wars. Because you're going to put your own spin on it, whether you realize it or not. Mm -hmm. Me playing Han Solo and Harrison Ford playing Han Solo play him two very different ways. Yeah, or take, you know, I did this, and I think this was right before you joined the, the group that we play with. I played a, a halfling barbarian who I took kind of inspiration from, okay, think kind of... Crazy hyper like Steve Irwin combined with, uh, I think his name, the, the Australian doctor on MASH called Ugly John, I believe. Yeah. And Robin Williams, when he first comes through the portal in the original Jumanji, kind mm -hmm. of mash all three of those together. <laughs> That's, he was uh, hilarious. You know, this little crazy and, you know, halfling that, and actually he was a dex based build, which. Shouldn't have worked, but actually did very well. But, you know, so he's got this rapier, and he's just buzzing around like crazy. You know, and his shield is just a an old turtle shell, you know. And it, it was just, like I said, I, I took, like, three things that most people can kind of recognize and went, what happens if I put them all together? Well, take a look at my current campaign where we're playing Eberron, and I have the Warforged butler, Jimmy. Yes. What if you took a butler and made him hyperactive? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, that's the whole concept of Jimmy is that he is this, he talks to our one character in a particular way because that character saved his life. And he also understands that that character is not, how do I want to say this? The smartest, maybe, <laughs> maybe the most mature. There we go. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Use. So he understands that that character is not the most mature. So he treats them more towards their maturity level, mm -hmm. but he treats everybody else like a normal human being. Yeah. It, it, although he has, you know, the part of the, I don't know if you want to call it the, his warforgedness is sometimes he's extremely literal with things. Yeah, he can be. But that's just what happens if A plus B equals Y. Yeah. No, it's just this, just sometimes, and sometimes like, Jimmy's character and personality came out of me bored one day going, what is this NPC's, like, what was this NPC's life before, before we got to where we are? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what if he was a courier? Well, what does that mean in, in the world of a Warforge? Well, that means that he can run abnormally fast. He wears super light armor. He's not your standard, like, killing machine, but he was definitely built to be faster in the war. 
mm-hmm. built to get ideas out there at a faster rate, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I think that's, you know, that's the thing is, is to look at it. And sometimes, like you said, you're, you're thinking too hard. And, and so just take a basic idea and then, and then kind of step back from it and look at it and go, well, what does that mean in terms of, you know, how, how this character would act in, in this situation or that situation, or even to, you know, take it to, if you're building a world, you know, how does, you know, to, to take Keith Baker's original statement as far as Eberron, what happens if we approach magic as a science that we know we can cast this spell and this will happen and we can repeat it, you know, that was what birth, what is Eberron? I think sometimes, and this is my opinion, is that sometimes, rather than trying to come up with a character, especially in D&D, I do this a lot, rather than trying to come up with a character, I make my character, like, roll numbers and, and have sort of just a generic blob of a thing, and let the story shape who they become. I let the story sort of build on how, what they, you know, what their voice is, where they go, what, what, how they become what they are. Mm-hmm. And this can mean that at the beginning, at the very beginning of your campaign, maybe your character's a little bland, but at the end of the campaign, you have somebody who is incredibly flushed out. Yeah. And although this is also a thing where, you know, maybe you have a basic idea in your head and then you sit down for a session zero at the start of a campaign and together with the rest of the table, you know, you get some of those ideas starting so that when you really start actually playing, you've got some of it. And then, okay, you can add in details that, yeah, you didn't actually say beforehand, but they don't actually really change anything. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to just go, well, um, you, you hate bartenders because something silly. But, you know, let's say it just strikes you randomly that your character maybe is extremely phobic of cats and you, you spring that in a moment. Well, that really doesn't, it, it, it's not going to be something, I mean, yes, that's a tool for your, your game master to then be able to leverage against you, but it's also a character thing that, I don't know, it can just be fun. Am I making any sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I'll be honest. Sometimes as a game master, I don't catch stuff like that. <laughs> I, I've kicked myself a couple times where the players have been like, oh, I'm glad you didn't play on this phobia of my character. I'm like, I, when did you when did you say you had a phobia of that? Oh, well, I, I said it. And I, oh, man, I was doing something else. And not in a bad way, but like, oh, man, I didn't. I just didn't catch that part. <laughs> um, uh... <laughs> Did both our trains of thought leave the station at the same time? <laughs> yep, they left us standing on the platform. <laughs> <laughs> y- you know. Uh, you hear that off in the distance? <laughs> yeah, that's the... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think inspiration is so much where you find it. You know, and, and even, like, I, I, I've told you about it, and I'm not the biggest Star Trek fan, so it's not a great, analogy i guess or something i don't know but i had thought of the idea of playing a warforged knowledge cleric as a very kind of data-esque almost android that was just very coldly stating facts and just spouting knowledge about things as things happen around him kind of half confused because he's repeating facts and other you know what i mean 
Right. And that's when I start as a, as a DM, not to completely ruin that character for you, but as a DM, that's when I start throwing in things that are completely illogical. See, I, I know what I was thinking. I was thinking, again, my Star Trek knowledge is not that good, but kind of like Data meets Sheldon from um, okay. Big Bang. Yeah, see, that's when I start throwing in, like, you start facing things that warp what the mind actually sees. Mm-hmm. Just because, how does that character w- react when up is now down? Yeah, that would be, that could be actually a lot of fun in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, having a very, having a very logic-based character and then throwing logic against the wall and just changing up how, how that war- character thinks about the world, or how that, how the world is around that character and you know sometimes i i find myself doing this as a as a dm sometimes my care my players will come up with a character that i'm like man i really like that character not that i'm gonna steal it but i'm gonna sort of take their worldview and play with it a little bit mm-hmm. maybe my care maybe my play players show up with a very naive character well now i'm gonna just start throwing things that are that are gonna educate this character you know just world experiences that maybe they didn't have before just really cool stuff like that you can do a lot and and again don't be afraid to borrow from media that you consume everybody consumes media in some way or another we've talked about music you steal a lot from music i steal very little i would say although i would say that i want to say that character's name was jethro the one from cyberpunk i that think was you're the solo I want to say Jethro came from Ray Wiley Hubbard as well. Actually, I'm almost certain it came from him. I, it came from his version of Choctaw Bingo. Okay. <laughs> because that was where my mind was at when I was rolling him up. I'm like, oh, yeah, That's this cool is where song. my brain's at. Yeah. But it, it came from that. It came from like that Sturgill Simpson, those type of guys. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes music can be an inspiration sometimes books can be an inspiration sometimes movies can be an inspiration sometimes straight art can be an inspiration for what you want to do you know for me cyberpunk when i want to write a really good cyberpunk story my desktop background on my computer that i record the podcast weekly on has a rotating cyberpunk like art gallery and i know i've written a bunch of cyberpunk stories while just having my background cycle just to give me ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, there are images and art that can really disturb you. And sometimes it's not what's disturbing. Sometimes it's, you know, um, but there's, there's some artists that can really inspire, inspire feelings or inspire ideas. And, and I'll, I'll steal, I'll, I'll steal from art. Anything that gives you an idea. Yeah, it's it's anything that gives me an idea. You know, I said it on our, our horror episode. We talked about that that one title that was in the, the article we were talking about was, I think it was called Soth. And the whole premise of that particular game was to take effectively your, your classic Call of Cthulhu scenario of we have to thwart the cult before they finish summoning Big Bad Evil thing and turning it on its head and going, we're the cult. We have to finish summoning the big bad evil thing before we get caught, you know? So don't be afraid to just take whatever it is and and just turn it upside down. So I've been sort of secretly working on a Call of Cthulhu idea. And the reason I've been sort of, it's on the back burner. Like it's, it's every now and again, I get a thought for it, but 
I saw the painting, just to get back to paintings, I saw Edward Hopper's 1927 Automat, which is his, it's one of his popular paintings. It was on the cover of Time Magazine. But it's just a woman sitting at a table with a window behind her, and it, it just looks like the pit of despair is behind her. Hopper was known for a lot of things, but the way this, the way this painting is, it's just this, just there's this, this empty space behind her. I was going to say, yeah, it, it looks almost like a train tunnel. Yeah. And it, it's this perfect, like, and it was somewhere in looking at this photo or looking at this painting that my brain was like, what if there's something in the darkness? And I know that a lot of people have played with that, but for whatever reason, that struck my, like, that struck my, hey, let's start writing a Call of Cthulhu story behind this. Yeah. Like I said, you know, inspiration is everywhere. And even if it doesn't initially seem like it's a great idea, jot it down somewhere and maybe add it to something else and put it together, mash it up with something else and have fun with it. That's it. Just have fun with it. And don't be afraid. The other thing is, you know, if you're mashing this stuff together, then a lot of people may not realize that you, you know, you borrowed it from three different places. They're going, wow, that's a really cool idea. And you're just going, well, crap, I just stole it from three different people. That's all. Right. But it's just take what inspires you and, and go with it. You know, you don't even have to be inspired by it. Sometimes just if you like something, run with it yeah. and, and take it to its take it to its logical conclusion take it to its illogical conclusion yeah you know sometimes you just have to double down and go well this is great but what happens if i what happens if i go farther than what i would normally what happens if you turn it up to 11 yeah you know the same way what happens if i turn it down to one what happens if i turn it up to 11 mm -hmm. you know where does this go what's what's the end point here and Sometimes, and I think sometimes the best characters are found in the bazaar. You know, it, it's it's not always that your character has to be. If you really enjoy playing Fighter Man, that's great. You you like being the guy that's just sort of a generic fighter. But one of my favorite characters from Critical Role was Grog, who is pretty much a generic like, pretty much a generic big guy. But because of his low intelligence, they played with that. Mm -hmm. Travis, Travis really played into that character not being a smart guy. Like, yeah, but he did it in a way that it was comical, but not annoying. Yes, yeah, and I mean, and in Critical Role Campaign Two, we have two characters that are sort of like that. We have Not, played by Sam Regal. We have Jester, and to some extent Caduceus, but Caduceus is sort of not as extreme as the other two. Caduceus isn't smart, but he's very wise. wise. Yeah, and you can tell that Taliesin plays into that very well. Mm -hmm. But Jester is Jester's immature, mm -hmm. and Not is abrasive, and these characters work really well together because... If you put Jester with somebody like Yasha, who's very reserved, Jester being a little kid and, and Yasha being this very reserved character, it, it makes for really fun interactions between those two. Mm -hmm. And 
Caleb and not hanging out together. Caleb being this very smooth, dirty magician and not being this very aggressive character. It, it really balances out. And, and sometimes, sometimes if you have a character that you think is too much, you know, maybe it is. But at other times, you think you have a character that's too much, but maybe the party balances out perfectly. Yeah. That's the other thing, you know, is, is you do want to watch and, you know, make sure your character isn't, and your character and, and you as the player behind them aren't, aren't taking too much of the spotlight. And this, this can get weird because sometimes you end up where the rest of the table really likes watching you play this character. But at the same time, you feel awkward because they want me to do all the talking. You know what I mean? Right. Or I've been there where I played in a campaign once where somebody just wanted to take it and run away with the campaign. It's like, no, you're not the whole story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you know, that's not saying that sometimes that works, but other times just be just be mindful that there's other players at the table. This is a group game, not, you know, there are solo RPGs, and I think we're going to get into that at some point. But I'm I'm working on that, actually. Yeah, so when you're playing, be mindful of the other people at the table. And, you know, that means that if you're telling a story, make sure you're giving fair chance for everybody to tell a story. And that can be difficult sometimes, but giving everybody their little bit of time is, is important. Mm -hmm. So, with that, I think we've sort of... Is there anything else you really wanted to touch on as far as inspiration? I, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, what time it might be, Steve? I think it might be time to introduce Gamer Nation to Game of the Week. Game of the Week! Game of the Week! You want me to go or you to go? Uh, you go ahead and go. I, th I think I went first last yeah, week. Yeah, you went last week. That's right. Uh, you, went, well, you went first last week. Well, mine, mine, I had to do a little bit of digging. Uh-oh. You get in trouble with a shovel. Yeah, I can be trouble with a shovel because I found Mechton Zeta Plus by Artelsorian Games. Okay. I'll let you look that one up. Do you know Mechton Zeta Plus? I'm not familiar with Mechton Zeta Plus. But you're familiar with Mechton Zeta? I, well, I know the name. Except okay. I can't spell it. M E K T O N Z E T A. And then the plus is just sort of their second edition. Okay, now I'm going to have to look it up differently. My whatchamacallit's being weird. So, Mechton Zeta and Mechton Zeta Plus are mech games from Artalsorian around the same time that they, that they were putting out Cyberpunk. Okay. It, it, it's, it's very... So if, if you... Like, I really like 90s anime. Mm -hmm. And Mechton Zeta and Mechton Zeta Plus are... 90s anime giant robot games. Kind of Robotech-y? Yes, very Robotech. Reminds me of Gundam, Robotech, you know, stuff like that. Stuff along those lines. I was trying to think. There's, there's other ones that I just can't grab off the top of my head. But it is, it is very anime-inspired. It's building a mech, but it's run in the interlock system, which is the cyberpunk system. Ooh. So, it's not it's not a cyberpunk supplement. It is its own game, but it's the same basic system, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's more than just combat. It is role playing. You design your mech. You're designing a character. You're telling that story, and and it's really cool. I, I I didn't know this existed, and then I was sort of just playing around, and I was like, this is this is up my alley. This does look interesting. It is up my alley. It's something that I definitely want to check out and and look into a little bit further because I love cyberpunk and I love that system. And to have a game that's sort of in the same system is just really cool. Yeah. Well, it, it says at the bottom of this that it, it mixes with cyberpunk really well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That could be so. It, and it's 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 meant to be played either on its own or you can play it in interlocked with cyberpunk which would be really cool i mean you could get some some serious mech happening yes. in cyberpunk maybe maybe that's what's happening in the wasteland yeah there's a movie from the 80s called robot jocks where giant robots battle it out in the desert to see you know rather than wars being fought every nation just sort of submits Okay, so this is the American robot. This is the Russian robot. They're going to go duke it out in the desert. Whoever wins ends up technically winning that war. Mm -hmm. And that's what this sort of gives me vibes of Robot Jocks, which is, that's one of those ones that if you haven't seen it, I really recommend that movie. Yeah, this, this does look interesting because I, I do remember the old, you know, Macross Robotech stuff that Palladium put out. And in that engine, there was an astounding amount of information to keep track of for that. Like you'd have a two page character sheet and another two sheets for your, for your mech. And it, it would give you a headache, not you, but anyone. Yeah. I can't say that this isn't super complicated because I haven't really read the book, mm -hmm. but based on who wrote it, when it came out and the fact that they're saying it can be played alongside or interlocked with cyberpunk i would say it's probably pretty manageable yeah i would i would guess well i i've said it before you know there are people who say that cyberpunk is is crunchy and i'm not necessarily going to disagree with them but what i think the case for me at least is that i feel like i get a lot more out of the crunch in cyberpunk than i do out of the crunch in say fifth ed D D. yeah i i agree i I think the crunch in cyberpunk is more useful than a lot of the crunch in in D and D. Yeah, I was gonna say for for cyberpunk being as admittedly simulationist as it was designed, it really doesn't have a lot of the just psychotic crunch add-ons that that a lot of games that try to do that do. Oh yeah, well, and one of the things I like about cyberpunk is that. And and this is something I'll speak to as far as that goes. And, and it's a big difference between it and D&D. D&D gives you a lot of generic terms for things. And you sort of have to figure out which one fits what you want to do. In Cyberpunk, there's a lot of very specific terms for your character's abilities. And that's super useful on a DM side. Mm -hmm. Like, deciding whether to do a perception or an insight check is it can be a, a bit daunting in D, D. like are you perceiving that they're lying or are you actively pressing them on that if they're lying yeah you know what i mean mm -hmm. and that's the difference between those two i yeah. think 
I, I, I just watched a video where they were talking. I, I sent it to you where they talked about the different social ladders and all that. Yeah. But, you know, I think sometimes in D&D especially, you know, perception and insight checks can get mixed up because sometimes you go, well, I, I want to roll insight. Well, insight's not going to tell you if he's lying. Insight's going to tell you a little bit about his posture. It's going to tell you about his mannerisms. It's not going to be a yes or no, he's lying to you. Yeah. And well, that's also too comes to, you know, how does the DM or GM that you play with interpret that? Because that's going right. to vary from, from game to game as well. But not only that, but like, so in D&D, it's, it's, I want to do this, so I have to figure out which role I have to make. In Cyberpunk, if I want to drive a car, what car are you driving? How fast is it going? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and look at the appropriate table. Are you riding a motorcycle or are you driving a car? <laughs> yeah. And by the way, you know, yes, folks, we are aware that, well, by the time you all hear this, the new Cyberpunk Red will be out, but in the wonderful world of the way how podcasts work, we're still a few days ahead of that in, yeah, in our now time. That's coming up fast. Yeah. Real fast. That just hit me. I'm looking at what today's date is. That's mm-hmm. going to be there. Yeah. Ooh, that's exciting. <laughs> so, anything more you want to say on Mechton Zeta Plus? Uh, no, I think I'm pretty happy with that. I, uh, this is one I'm picking up. I'm picking up and, and definitely going to look into it a little bit further. See, it does have, I noticed it's got 39 or 37 ratings on drive through and four and a half stars. So Yeah, people like it. It's got a couple... It's got a couple comments too, which is nice, mm-hmm. but yeah, people like it. And I just didn't know it existed. And I was, like I said, I was on drive through and I'm like, uh, cause drive through has this wonderful tab in genre. It's the miscellaneous tab. <laughs> and you know, you got family gaming, fantasy, historical, horror, modern science fiction, and then just one labeled miscellaneous. And I love the miscellaneous tab. <laughs> See, I had never actually noticed that. <laughs> oh. And then the mis- miscellaneous tab actually opens up to a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. But if you just tab around in miscellaneous, you can find some pretty interesting stuff in there. That's where I find a lot of my games of the week. Cool. Well, I'm not even sure how I stumbled into this, but I saw it and I went, oh. And I remember a couple weeks ago, we were talking something about pirates. And I happened to stumble across. This is actually a setting, technically, for Savage Worlds, but it's called 50 Fathoms, specifically 50 Fathoms Explorer's Edition, which is not the current edition, I believe, but the edition before the Savage Worlds rules. But there is, and it's you can find it on drive-thru, there is an update to this to the Adventure Edition, I believe, is the, the newest. Anyway... But this is basically kind of a kind of a a Pirates of the Caribbean weird pirate kind of thing, right? You know, the the blurb is the world is drowning. The natives say three witches in Agrapog were sentenced to death by the king, drowned by the rising tide. You know, they cursed the land and all this weird stuff. So you've got like these weird crab monsters and. It just looks like it could be a lot of fun. Like, you know, again, to me, you know, looks like it could be a lot of, of really, really neat inspiration to to just take this idea and, and tweak it a little bit. and But to have a lot of fun with, with kind of a, 
I don't know if you want to call it a Deadlands twist on on Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, that could be cool. You know what I've always wanted? I never did any research to see if there's one that exists. But I've always wanted an RPG that was a pirate RPG where you play effectively a properly running ship where you're in charge of raising the masts. All right, that's my job. That's what I do. I raise and lower them. And and that's Bob. He's in charge of the cannons. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and this is this is John. He's in charge of keeping everybody fed. Mm-hmm. And like having a very realistic ship sailing RPG, I think that would be really cool. Almost like a like a simulatory type thing. Yeah. And maybe not just simulatory, but like you know, you could you could do other things with that where you have people come and invade, but I just think that would be a it's always something that I'm interested in. Pirates are pirates are neat. <laughs> yeah, I think it just like I said, it, it struck me as being something that could just I don't know, could be a lot of fun. You know, I've wanted to try out Savage Worlds for a while anyway. Yeah, like I said, I, I just think that looks like it, it could be the source for a lot of fun. And like I said, there is I saw it when I was digging around on drive through There is, uh, you know, the the cost for the PDF on on this fifty fathoms is is ten bucks. Um, well, nine ninety nine, but yeah, ten bucks. But the update to take it up to up to Savage Worlds Adventure Edition is is a free download. So yeah, you you do have to buy it, and it's technically, but you can get the updated stats and so forth for free. So it's it's cheap and. Hey, even if you buy it and you take the ideas that are in it and put it into a different game system you already have, you know, no one's going to come take your books and tell you you can't do that. I think with that, we've reached the end of the episode. Yeah, I think so. I want to thank you for listening. We want to thank to anyone who's who's come from the D20 Radio Network. I assure you we are, well, we're slightly less rambling on our other episodes. This was just sort of a off-the-cuff episode. But only slightly. We we Only usually slightly. at least point ourselves in a direction before we get lost. Right. It, today was just sort of... Yeah. It, it, it was one of those where we were like, let's talk about something. What do we want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, we need to get something down, so, so let's do something. So, yeah, if, you know, listen to some of the stuff we've already done. Come find us on the Discord. Holler at us. I'm sure Chris and JT and company will, will get us linked up over there or like i said you know the link for our discord should be uh in the show notes hit us up on twitter yeah at and rpgs hit us up on facebook at me and steve rpg podcast uh again on discord here we are at me and steve rpgs but yeah come holler at us tell us tell us you want to hear us talk about something yeah feel free to feel free to you know give us give us ideas or you know, if you think we're doing something wrong, leave us a comment. You know, come into our Discord. Tell us that you don't like my voice. Uh, you're really Steve, not gonna... I don't like your voice. Oh, man. Well, I guess you got to suck it up and deal with it. Cause... Hey, look, I have the edit button. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, but no, seriously. like I'll just start my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still call it the Me and Steve podcast. It'll just be me and myself. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, or, you know, if, if, if you think there's, you know, somebody that that we ought to talk to, uh, by all means, you know, let us, let us know, uh, we can, the worst thing we can do is try and get told no. Yeah. Or send them our way. If you know somebody that you're like, man, they should talk to this guy and you're, you know them and you have contact with them. Be like, Hey, you should talk to these guys. 
yeah, you know, we're happy to have someone else talk instead of us. Yeah, as you see with previous episode. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I GM Chris is 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 wonderful, and he he really is just you know he he's so enthusiastic and and it is yeah it's 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 great to have him on, and it's it just it's it's really nice to bring on guests and bring on people like GM Chris who who has a, a passion like we have for this hobby and and mm-hmm. really cares about watching it grow and and expanding it in all the right ways. Yeah. So, uh, again, thank you to, well, thank you to him. Thank you for, for GM Eric, who was our first guest. Yep. yep. Thank you to GM Eric. Also part of the D20 network. Thanks to, to everyone out there in Gamer Nation. You know, we'd, we'd appreciate it if you keep listening to us or start listening to us or tell your friends, tell your enemies. Probably we shouldn't encourage like random street graffiti promoting the podcast. I mean, I'm not promoting it. But if it happens, send us pictures. <laughs> you know, I noticed we got a hit this week. I was looking at the analytics. We got a hit from the Philippines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shout out to two guys from Western Pennsylvania. Shout out to all of the people who are not in not in the United States that listen to us. I just want to, you know. Shout out to the people in the United States, too, for that matter. Yeah. Any, anybody who listens to us, if you, if you listen to the podcast weekly and you, you want to yell at us or even if you don't want to yell at us come hang out in our discord we got a lot of really cool people Uh, i've said it before but we are going to start doing game of the week i'm going to start running some stuff just one shots one offs cool stuff is happening yeah if if i if i get down off of 55 60 hour weeks i'd like to do that too yeah i i definitely want to there's a couple games that i want to just grab uh cyberpunk i was actually thinking about if i can get a hand if i can get my hands on a pdf copy as long as i can get it read soon enough i was thinking about within like the next week running a like grabbing some people and just running a short one shot of cyberpunk oh that'd be cool you mean the the the, the red ah, okay cool yeah because yeah is it at the time of recording red drops this saturday so yeah if i can get my hands on a pdf copy of it i am i should be able to it's just a for me, it's just a finding the money to do it. But yeah, as long as I can get my hands on a PDF copy of it, I'm looking at running sometime in the very near future a Cyberpunk Red, just maybe three, four hour one shot. Cool. So I think that's 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 pretty much it for us this week, is it not? It is. I want to thank you for listening and be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash meandsteverpg. Thank you and be kind to each other. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Yeah, sometimes two and two does not equal five, or it doesn't need, whoa, wow, whoa, whoa. Yeah, well, you know, whoa. Steve, sometimes two and two does not equal five. <laughs> I would imagine so, wow. That was a winner right there is what that was. <laughs> oh. Um. Oh, I was thinking about something for April Fool's Day. Um, we should have to roll a die. Whoever rolls the lowest is the person that gets all of their ums and ands and everything kept in. <laughs>
<laughs> I just thought that would be funny.